Oh, oh my God. <laughs> this is the introduction to the show. Press record. Uh, All right, let's keep talking. All right. We're just for the for the what for the person who who accidentally found this because they were looking for the other two Jews show. Uh, yeah, there there are a few others indeed. As you as you yeah, we were so surprised yeah. that there were so many shows that began their title with two Jews. Uh, I don't know what that says about the Jewish community and podcasts, but uh, <laughs> we were talking about pushing the record button. All we're really doing is having a conversation, but something happens when you hit record and it's like, yeah. it's possible a hundred thousand people may listen to you, but very That's likely it. that will never happen. That's right. So, so it's like, it's like what has changed. It's like, it's like now the tree falling in the woods has someone recording it. I think that's the only difference. And then, and then, and then the Pope is shitting somewhere. But um, the subject before pressing record was, uh, was, was being on time. And then the question was, have you ever been disappointed with someone who was late? Yeah, and I, what I was talking about in, in the green room was I, I struggle. And I wonder how many other people out there struggle with what I think is my aspirational Mediterranean self and my more realistic day-to-day -day Northern European self, which is very much focused on punctuality. Not, I wouldn't say excessively so, but definitely if I make an agreement that I'm going to meet someone at noon, I do my best to be there at noon or I give plenty of warning that I'm running, you know, 15 minutes late, which I don't love to do. And I get that's a whole controversy in the cell phone era. But, um, well, uh, let me ask you this because I, I recognize it. I think it's a, it's a, it's definitely a story that resonates. You know, everybody has that internal external struggle, but I'll go even deeper. Do you feel that because you don't go too are deep. a, a what? Don't go too deep. I, I'll try not to. I, I mean, this device, it's made of plastic and I am using lubricant. Um, do, you, do you believe that, because um, you are a service provider in your day-to-day -day life, you, you know, this is a, this is a key element of, 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 of you and specifically American life, which is so based on the quality of the service that you receive. And, and this is a starting point, right? Like when you meet do you feel that when the tables are turned, for example, if you have an appointment with someone who you're not servicing them, you're doing them a favor or something, you know, you're, you're, you're helping them out rather than the other way around. Yeah. And we should be clear, by the way, with servicing, you're not talking <laughs> sexually, correct? You're talking well, about I'm, I'm providing leaving everything a service. Open. Okay. I'm leaving everything open. I, okay. I think if it was sexually, it would still you would still apply the European, Northern European laws because, because you are providing a service. I'm, I'm thinking really helping out. Mm -hmm. Okay, that, which could be sexually as well. But, yeah. you know, someone asks you to uh, uh, help paint their house um, and they're not a client or anything. They're like a friend. What, do you feel like at that moment you get permission to be late? Or do you yeah, well, exercise permission? I think you bring up a point that must resonate both in everyone's mind and in their households if they have such, because yeah, I do have it. When, it, when, I, when I'm service oriented, 
um, whether I'm providing the service or receiving it, I, I, I take punctuality fairly seriously. And yet I get, uh, I get yelled at by my wife on, on too many occasions for exactly that. When it comes to like, hey, we're going over someone's house or there's a birthday party or brunch or some other fucking soiree. Um, I don't. Like if it's, we're supposed to be there at four, I'm always like, ah, it doesn't matter. You know, I'll be there yeah. fucking. But then I, I have justifications within that. I don't know if you do this. In other words, let's say you're going to a party or you're going to meet a group of people. You know, depends what it is, right? Like if it's a, if it's a dinner reservation, you know, you try to be on time because you only have the table for so long. Everyone is expecting to meet there and do it. So I, that's going to tow tighter. That's going to be a little more in the service aspect. Um, but if it's sort of a friend that I said, Hey, I'll, I'll come over at like at two and I come in and I come over later, I don't tend to care about it. I will warn them and say, Hey, I'm running late, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't tend to stick to those times. Yeah. What's, what's your take on that? Yeah. Similar, similar. I think, and I think the reason for that is that, I mean, this is the, this is where the personalities clash, right? Like the yeah. aspiring professionalism versus hey i'm on my day off here like how much do i have to try to be on time what if it just means being a few minutes later and trusting that everybody around me shares those same values of like yeah it's okay of course you can just show up when you know 20 minutes later half an hour later we're still gonna have a good time you know living in holland do you are you like uh, keenly aware of this? Because it's not like America where we have, we have so many other influences that were rooted in that sort of Puritan and Northern European, you know, work ethic, uh, which also coincides with, you know, you know, punctuality and timeliness. But we all, we have a massive influence of the Mediterranean in our country as evidenced by a pizza shop in every town. And, and I, Dearborn, Michigan. And, and Dearborn, Michigan, who finally, after almost 20 years, I think is out from being under a judicial and federal watch. Um, <laughs> you know, that, you know, <laughs> COVID has overtaken the, uh, the prospect of, uh, you know, locally grown terrorists. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of Americans who sort of fancy themselves as you know, ah, casually later, I'll just come there later. I just won't show up. And I, and I think because we have that, you know, so many influences happening here, it's just more common that you, you don't know which person you're going to get in Holland. Is it more that everybody's pretty punctual or no? Yeah. I mean, I would say like, not the Surinamese, they're given an exception. <laughs> um, I've noticed that it's not a very punctual place. I feel like with work, uh, work meetings and stuff, it's as punctual as anywhere because I think that's where it's, it, it's not about Dutch culture. It's just about culture, uh, whatever, capitalist culture or whatever. Money. Um, money. But uh, I think for everything else, there's a lot, a lot of flexibility here. And I remember getting that for the first time when I, I, I did a, a year, uh, an academic year here at, a, at, a, at the university, and they have a rule, which is the, the class starts, let's say, uh, on the hour, but the class actually starts 15 minutes later. I've never encountered that anywhere else. It's like just the rule that you're supposed to know. Now, obviously, you learn it the first time you get there and the class doesn't start. 
but there's this 15 minute leniency where, you know, it's, it's for some reason, I don't know why, you know, like that's, uh, like, what, I would like to I would like to uh, inform you that this is often known as the the professor rule this is uh, one of the common nicknames. Um, oh, do you, is that because uh, I I never had that when I went to school in the I, U.S. I think so I, I think it's international actually. Okay. I think that anywhere there's an institute of higher learning and therefore an excess of tweed, an excess of uh, <laughs> excess of uh, pedanticness. Um, uh -huh you're some for some reason you're allowed yeah because what would happen is if you you know you're in college or university and you're in a lecture hall it wouldn't be uncommon that the professor wasn't there or the lecturer and so you weren't allowed to just leave because they weren't there but you were if they didn't show after i think it usually it's like 15 minutes mm. and so then some people will apply this to other things like you, you were waiting at the uh, subway entrance for your buddy and uh, they were 15 minutes late. And if you didn't really want to see them in the first place, you just take off and it's not your fault, yep. right? Right. Now that could be a good excuse for you on a date. Like if you sort of weren't feeling good about the date you were going on, but you were doing it out of a kind of kind gesture. Um, that's it, man, just 15 minutes. And if, and if you get any kind of grief, just write back, hey, I follow the professor rule. <laughs> yeah so uh so when was the, so you didn't answer the question which is when was the last time you <laughs> you rather than other people being upset with you that you were upset with somebody else for being late wow you know what's fucked up is i gotta pay better attention because i could have sworn i did answer the question but now that you repeat it we have to go back and ask our producer to, to play the yeah. tape because if only we recorded this yeah. <laughs> this conversation. If only we could spend the money for that producer in Bangladesh. I, I don't remember you answering it. I remember you answering it like that you said your wife got gets upset with you for for exactly that. But I don't think you said that at, at any point that you got upset with anyone. I, I didn't realize you asked me when I got upset. I want to yeah. I want to pose this to our listeners right now. <laughs> if you think that uh, the other gentleman talking uh, from Amsterdam is uh, is correct. I want you to uh, raise your hand. Okay. Okay. See a few if, hands. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and if you if you think that I, which is also me, uh, am correct, and I did answer the question, or, or was I was not asked what he's saying, please raise your hand. Uh, I see. A, I see a few Fuck. hands again. Really? That many yeah. more of you believe that he was correct? <laughs> okay. Well, in that case, I will, uh, on the spot, of course, since nothing in this uh, recording is ever rehearsed. Um, the last time I was upset, um, probably just, I can give an example happening right now, a, a contractor doing some work uh, on our house, um, mm -hmm. who also is a friend and is also a neighbor. Mm. So I think he might be feeling super conflicted because he's got like, a neighborly relationship, which isn't, which isn't exactly a friendship, right? Anyone who has neighbors, they kind of chat with. It's a little different than someone you hang out with. Yeah. Then we also have a kind of, I'd call it a light friendship, right? We, we kind of have drinks together outside and talk about shit. So it's buddies. And then on top of that, we're, we have a, um, a business transaction going on because I'm paying him to do some work. And mm -hmm. uh, on a number of times, he say he was coming or coming this day or, you know, coming at eight o'clock and, and it never would. Like I'd have to, hey, where were you? And 
I don't know about Holland, but contractors are amazing at excuses. Anyone yeah, they're the best. Anyone who has never dealt with the world of contracting, one, you've saved yourself a lot of money. But two, you are missing out on one of the finest creations in modern <laughs> human being. This an ability to lie so seam so seamlessly, so fluidly that you you yourself begin thinking, oh yeah, yeah, he's right. I never did ask to meet at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh yeah, that, that totally makes sense that his, his, co his coworker was raped by his Dalmatian. Of course, of course he would be, you know, have, have, his dog would have done that to him. Like it, it, it makes sense. Like it, it never happened before as he, as he said, it was very unusual as he said, it was totally unexpected. As he said, he is so sorry that it happened and he himself can't believe it. And then you begin questioning yourself. It's like QAnon. It's like QAnon happening all the time when you're dealing with a contractor. <laughs> By the way. Wait, are I, you saying QAnon is fake? I'm just saying, no, I don't, I don't know the moral stories. I don't know. I don't know what, what a story is so convoluted that it's plausible. You don't fucking know. And so with this contractor who happens to believe in both QAnon and Mr. T, otherwise known as the chief executive of the United States, you just don't fucking know. And, and I think that might be, a, a little uh, psychological insight for people who continue to try to understand Trump is that that was his line of work. Yeah, he, he is a contractor. Yeah, he worked with contractors, right? Yeah. He, he's given the excuse before, you know, he stiffed, you know, he's famous for having stiffed shitloads of contractors and then making them accept like a fraction of what so they So he's were. managed to outlie the liars. Absolutely. And I think if someone really wanted to investigate Trump in terms of how this wild, incredible creature operates the way he does, they might really just look into the world of real estate and, and construction and contracting. Um, you know, because it's so impossible in that world to do things on time because of the nature of building, right? There, there inevitably are delays due to um, permitting, materials, labor, um, you know, it just goes on and on. And they're, and they're really actually many of them acceptable. But to the right. client, to the person waiting for the project, they're not because we expect things to be done as this conversation started on a timely manner. So in order to right. not disappoint the client, you have no choice. I, I assume, I, I don't think I would do that, but I'm not a contractor. They, they feel they have no choice but to lie and they just get so good at it. And I think, well, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, that 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 could be the that could be the situation but i think that, that there's a big cultural issue as well which is that What's when that? the promise is made in the mm -hmm. first place the promise is made under the most optimistic conditions ever and the reason for that is because if you didn't make that promise your competitors would and you wouldn't get the job so it has a little bit to do with the system that you're that you're 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 in that leads to the beginning of the lie. Yeah, I think that's actually a great point. I mean, that, that might explain the idea of the lowest bidder syndrome, right? The, right. Lowest, the lowest bid is basically putting on paper what you just said. It's making the ultimate promise, since many of us think with our, our wallets or pocketbooks to not discriminate, 
Um, <laughs> and, and you see that number and you're just like, boom, that's like 30% cheaper than my competitor. And oftentimes you always hear that, you know, you're going to get shitty service, you know, from that. Um, right. Like your, your airline ticket to the Netherlands. Yeah, that's true. Well, as, as, a, as a recap on that, it was an extremely cheap ticket, but it turned out it was legitimate. So it was completely in, legit. Yeah. In, in that case, yeah, I was so I was so doubtful of this ticket that <clears throat> I continued to bother the company that sold it until I can get you know super reassurance through various emails that it was going to work. <laughs> what do you think would happen? Like, how, let's let's play out how it would sound if if a contractor or someone in that position was totally honest. Like if, you know, let's say you're, let's say you're my contractor and I say, Hey, you told me that the, um, you know, the walls, the drywall was going to be, you know, finished by this week and there's still nothing has even started yet. Yeah. The thing is, uh, I, I, I was never going to finish it this week. Um, I said that to you because I knew that that would help me get the job. Well, I, I understand, I understand you've, you've, you've been going to contractors anonymous and CA, CA, you're trying to come clean and you, you know, fess up for your, you know, but why, why did you feel the need to lie to me in the first place? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I can't tell you the amount of lies that come out of this mouth on a like hourly basis. I mean, it's pretty much everything that I say except for what I'm saying right now which makes me feel really good but everything that I say is a lie okay (laughs) (laughs) but 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 I know I know you're in recovery so you're trying not to do that so just just be honest with me contractor when are are, are these walls going to be put up right now um well, you know, it depends on how I navigate the other lies that are going on, because this isn't the only job I'm working on. Mm. Uh, I'd say within the next six months. Six months? Yeah. What the fuck, man? You told me this week I, I've, got, I've, got, I've got parties planned. I got people coming over. Um, I, I can't be staying in this rental any, any longer. Yeah. Fuck. Dude, can you, you. Yeah. Fuck. Can you tell me when in the next six months? Like, can you tell me which week in the next six months? I'm not very good at what I do, so it's really hard for me to predict. I mean, most of my work involves predicting the future, and I'm really bad at it. I get it wrong all the time, and I, even when I lie about it, and even when I believe the lie, it, it, it's, it's, it's wrong. And you have to understand that all the people that are around me that I deal with, except you, are liars just like me. So I'm living in a lie and I have to, you know, keep track of all these lies with those liars who are also lying. Wow. That must be very, very hard for you to, to do that. Um, but, yeah, but, but, but coming man. back, coming back to me for a second, cause I'm somewhat selfish as most human beings. If you can't give me a date, what, what can you tell me truthfully about this project? Well, I can say that I'm uh, I'm making like a huge amount of uh, uh, of profit off of it, so that's nice because it it sort of satisfies the uh, gambling addiction and uh, the fact that I have two gumas. 
I have two of them, two gumas. Hmm. And uh, I do want to say that's probably one of the the least sexy names ever for a mistress. You know that, right? With the Italians. The, <laughs> I, think I, I agree. And I, and I, and I, and I know it's you're Polish. I know you're Pol- I know you're Polish, not Italian, so you won't get offended. But <laughs> the the Italians really fucked up. You know they they pride it's a themselves. Horrible name. They pride themselves on, on romance. They pride themselves. You, you know, on just eros, on passion, and to think that it's accepted part of society to have a mistress who sounds like a, a pile of dog shit is uh, <laughs> so somebody somebody <laughs> fucked up in Italian linguistics. That's all I know. <laughs> hey, Polly, you with you with your guma, you with your guma last night? Oh yeah, my guma. She's uh, <laughs> yeah. What? Where? Like it's it's so true. It's like we don't speak Italian. And yet we both agree that it sounds horrible. Why? Like, how is that? Does that I, mean that that word just sounds horrible to, 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 to our world of English? Like, what, why do we agree on that? It's, I think we gotta get it's a, just a bunch of sounds. We got to get a real live Italian on the phone. Yeah. Because, but now it's possible that a woman, you know, thousands of years ago, uh, put that word in the lexicon. She's like, oh, you want, you want to have a, you know, a, a mistress? I'm going to make her sound like, uh, you know, just drooled on her. Ah, yeah, um, there you go. So you, you actually don't even know it, but you feel guilty every time you say it because it's such a unpleasant sound. Yeah, there's nothing, you know, even, even the English word mistress sounds like it's, there's, there's something going on there. Yeah, um, I like uh, the, 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 long, the elongated S. It just adds to the tension that's mistress. It's, it's good. Yeah, and it, and it's not you know to be people out there that, you know that, that might know Italian like you know I know we got a couple of listeners we picked up in Eritrea um, that are learning Italian in school based on their small colonization period. Yep, they're probably saying, "Oh, you know, don't know, you don't know what you're talking about," but I think we do because you know think of a word like fettuccine. That sounds nice. That sounds nice to my ear. That you know, and why yeah. does it sound nice? You you want to eat it. You want to take yeah. a, you want to take a bite of that linguini, you know? Yeah. Stracaccioli. You want to eat that <laughs> shit, right? And and I would assume you want to eat your mistress or your mister, but yeah. nobody wants to eat a guma. Nobody know? wants. No, you want to leave the guma. Think about nobody it. Nobody like, touches the guma. The guma <laughs> it's, is on it's, the it's, table and packed. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody eats a guma ever. It's like, hey, for dessert today we have a a cannoli. We have a tiramisu, we have a gelato, and we have one guma. Oh, no, I'll take the tiramisu. I'll take the gelato. I'll take the cannoli. <laughs> Anybody for the guma? No. <laughs> you could just picture some Italian dad, like, telling his kid who wasn't behaving like, you know, <laughs> You don't, you don't do your homework. You only get the guma after dinner. That's it. The guma, nothing else. No, no, I do my homework. I do it. I do it, please. <laughs> please, Dad. No, I don't want the guma. Nothing but the guma. <laughs> I eat anything about the guma. Oh, that 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 Eritrean right now is so offended at us. Very offended. It's just unsubscribed way, from a podcast. It's it's funny you take us to that that neighborhood because I do have a question for you about that 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 general geographical area 
Sure. Uh, I just don't want to. I, I, if I ask it now, it will definitely take our conversation to a different place. So I just hey, want to check in. If there's anything okay. two Jews in a microphone is about, it's about passing the mic and uh, whatever yeah, comes. We are. We are doing that. All right. All so right, let's go. We're, we're, we're switching I, over I, to the uh, Horn of Africa, a little north of the Horn. So, yeah, exactly. So in my, uh, in my COVID lifestyle, my uh, life during COVID, uh, I'm mm -hmm. noticing I have a lot of time because I don't have a family uh, to take care of. Uh, I have a lot extra, of time. How much extra time percentage-wise would you say you have during COVID than you had pre-COVID? Um, hmm. I think, I think, um, I don't know. I think, well, obviously there were different parts of COVID, you know, from lockdown to non-lockdown, but I'd say it feels to me like I have 30 or 40% more time wow yeah and that's interesting because i noticed my business is down about 30 percent mm, there you so go it's possible that everybody's dealing with a 30 percent swing there um but yeah it's, it's very possible okay. i mean it's, it's to, to the to the extreme that i'm like i don't know what to watch anymore even what to listen to as a book like it's just there's there's lots of stuff out there and I, I start different things and I don't really, you know, like it, it, I love it. I really love it when, you know, when I'm sure everybody agrees with this, when you find that show that you, you cannot wait to watch another episode and of. I, I know where you're book. getting at. And yeah. Have you, have you discovered the channel called YouTube? I've heard of YouTube. I'm, uh, I, I'm still trying to figure out how do you spell it. So I, I just, dis uh, I dismissed the old YouTube. And I uh -huh. meet people that I'm like, what the fuck? And then my, my kids watch I don't know, the, 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 the rage among children today are, are these little shits that basically unpackage toys and then put them together. Unboxing or, videos. Yeah. Or, or you've, you've heard of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's any sign the apocalypse is upon us, it's not uh, due to the person in the White House. It's due to that. Um, it, it's abhorrent. That being said, I was totally turned off YouTube and then, and then it plays the next one and it keeps playing, you know, new videos. Um, you know, every once in a while there's some clip of something funny that happened and you play it, good cat video. The other, so my kids got into YouTube videos of this, this guy's name's Mark Rober, you heard of him? No. It's a free plug, by the way, for this guy. Anyway, he's a really smart fucking guy. He got famous for, um, getting the package thieves in america that take everyone's Am oh, amazon yeah, package the guy with the uh the hamster yeah so yeah, he's so in, flying, in uh hamsters oh no anyway well, he might have done another one but the main one in the package was he put these cameras that would record yeah. when the people opened it but it basically yeah. re released I've the stink yeah. released the stink bomb and a glitter bomb yeah. um so the guy's got a lot of very clever videos that are funny but they're uh very science oriented so you, you learn you can learn stuff through them yeah um but then they, my kids saw them all, and then they wanted to watch them over and over. And I was like, no, let's find a new one. And uh, in the process of trying to help them find something scientific, I uncovered somebody who was like, it looked like they were like in Papua New Guinea or, or somewhere that looked kind of like Micronesia or somewhere even further out than Indonesia. And they were, they were filming these guys in the jungle that were just make these things out of sticks in their bare hand. And it was fucking fascinating. Um, uh -huh. so fascinating Dude. you you watched it thinking this got to be fucking magic or camera trick but and then you think about it you're like no i guess they could technically do it and they would just you know make you know swimming pools and, and houses and huts and and shit just out of their bare hands and sticks just two guys um 
And when it was done, it was beautiful. And, I, and the whole time I'd be like, I was, I kept going, holy shit, I can't believe it. No way. I'm like screaming like, uh, like a black woman watching a horror movie in the movie theater. <laughs> and my kids are like, what, daddy, what? I'm like, do you understand what a contractor would charge you to do that? And how many times he'd lie to you to make that project happen? <laughs> We're back yeah. to the contractor. I love yeah. it. <laughs> they, got, yeah. they got no power tools. They got no equipment. They got no machinery. They got no labor. It's just two young dudes wearing a, a, a pair of shorts that they got from, uh, you know, some mission. Um, yeah. Anyway, so you go back. So you're running out of stuff to watch. I mean, nothing? You can't find anything? Well, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, first of all, uh, because I know you hate the unboxing videos, I sent you one that I made about unboxing uh, feta cheese. So uh, you can watch that later. Uh, but I, uh, I mean, so much so that I'm like, I go to websites where I'm like looking at, you know, the best shows right now on hulu on amazon on netflix whatever like i'm just looking for for leads and so i found one this week and i loved it i really got into it it's a show called uh, uh the um uh the the oh god the looming tower it's based on a book and it's uh it's about the whole uh situation between the cia and the fbi and how you know they they withheld information from each other um, which, what channel is this on, by which, the way? Which led to uh, September 11th. Uh, this is on Hulu, I think. Uh, I, don't, I don't have Hulu. Uh, All right. But I will say you recommend very, very good shows, though. Well, uh, this one, I mean, I, I also noticed this is a particular genre that I like. I like the, it's called, I think it's officially called the slow burn genre. And, it, and I specifically like it when it's uh, like an investigation and, and, and about terrorism. And so actually a lot of this show a good portion of this show is an investigation that they're doing uh, even before 9-11 happened in uh, Yemen. And so they, they take you there. They take you to Yemen. I mean, this is a drama. This isn't like a documentary, but uh, it's based on a true story. And this is like Yemen, the year is 2000 or 2001. And I was, and, and, and it's showing the reality, which is like, there's a lot of like shootings going on there. Like people are just shooting their guns when they're happy, when they're sad, whatever. Um, and, uh, um, so now you say a lot, like I found my time in Yemen, which is true story to be very safe. Now you're saying a lot of shootings. You mean celebratory shootings or shootings of people? Like there's always shooting in the, yeah, more celebratory, but like, there's always shooting in the distance. There's always like, there's a, uh, anyway, like I was just thinking like, as I'm watching it, that you were there, of course. And, and. And how amazing it was that you were there. Like, that you spent, you know, you, you spent a good few weeks there, right? Uh, yeah, the length of the visa. So 30 days, I think. Wow, 30 days. And, yeah, it's just so fascinating that, uh, that you were there post 9-11 when it was, like, even, in theory, more unsafe as it was leading up to the failed state that it is now. Uh, and, and, and so it made me think a couple of things. First of all, it made me want to know more about your journey to Yemen. And then the second thing is it made me, uh, in, in, relations to this, in relation to this, uh, this, this show or this concept, uh, it made me think, uh, have you been uh, following uh, the, the corona situation specifically in the countries that you've traveled to more? Well, like the, the ones where you spent like a good month, like, like in Ghana, or Yemen, or uh, or Venezuela, or Brazil. 
You know, not so much anymore. I, I found I, I used to feel more connected to all, all the different countries. Um, I, I find it depressing is the, is the short answer. Um, you know, get the news from so many of those countries, unless I, I kind of dig in and look for blogs from those countries or um, kind of more like local uh, media, you know, it's just depressing because all, all most of the general media we consume puts out are the kind of, ex is the extraordinary, is the story that's going to attract you. Um, and that usually is a, uh, is, is, a neg is a negative story. So, you know, with COVID, it's, you know, not really um, because, of, because of that reason. Is, is there something you saw in any of those countries that was really fascinating to you? Uh, uh, no, not specifically. I'm just wondering, I'm kind of wondering how they're doing because you don't, I mean, Yemen's not in the news. Uh, Ghana is another country in Africa. I know that in South Africa, things are pretty bad, but I don't know what it's like in Ghana. Uh, and I have no idea what's going on in South America, except I know Brazil and Mexico are not doing too well. I kind of feel like, you know, the, the, the more air conditioning a place has, the more uh, la lack of ventilation and they can go inside. Um, I haven't looked, but I, I wonder if many parts of Africa aren't being ravaged just because they've, um, they just have a lot more fresh air that seems uh, to help the virus out more in terms of killing mm -hmm. Uh, but I don't know. We'd have to we'd have to research that. Back to uh, but back to Yemen. So you're curious about my my experience my experiences there? Like yeah, um, like uh, what do you remember your day to day? I I can always look it up in your blog. But uh, what do you remember now? Uh, uh, what is well, this? this I, must I, be I, like twelve years later or something, or thirteen years later? I don't know what year I was there. Probably oh oh eight maybe give or take um, oh nine. The uh, one thing I do remember that you bring that up with the guns is wanting to get kidnapped. Now, before you think that I'm fucking around, <laughs> Yemen was was famous internationally in the uh, kidnap fetish community because wow, this is this is true story. You can you can Google it somewhere. Uh, On, uh, I'll go to Yahoo and Google it. Yeah, Bing. I think Bing is a better result. I'll use Bing to Google it. Things good, wonderful. By the way, Bing, that's uh, that's one of two promises for a plug there. Um, <laughs> they have a rich history of hospitality. They also have a very rich history of uh, of kind of tribal competitiveness, and you know they, you know, one part of the country, the you know, a group living there would would take a foreigner if they saw them, and they'd hold them captive. Uh, and demands for, you know, money, but they would treat them like royalty. You know, they, they, were, they were lavished upon, they, they were given the best of everything that could be provided. Um, and I just thought that was so cool, knowing that there was no incidence of um, these cases of kidnappings, them because they weren't done uh, in extremism. In other words, they, they weren't related to like a jihad or anything like that. They had to mm -hmm. do with, you know, a portion of the population who was, you know, generally underfunded, um, you know, looking for resources. And so this was an instant thing for resources resource was to get cash. Uh, anyway, I was, I was unsuccessful, but I did try. How did I mm -hmm. try? I, I put myself out there. I, I did some hitchhiking. In, I, did, I, did, I did some hitchhiking in Yemen. 
I, uh, I spend many, many uh, t- uh, days in, in uh, random people's houses. Um, you know, something about the people in Yemen, and, and you may understand this too, being from a, a small country in the Mediterranean nestled between Lebanon and Egypt, uh, there is a, um, a, a sense and a, a kind of mission of hospitality that permeates many Middle Eastern cultures that is like no other place in the world. Would you agree or disagree based on your experience in the, some of those areas? Yeah, I would agree. It is, it's really phenomenal. You know, and, and it has some history. You know, one of the arguments is that the, um, you know, it's a very harsh climate. Uh, a lot of people were, for a while, desert-dwelling people. They needed, you know, you needed basically your enemy is your friend type of thing. Um, you needed each other for support. Um, so it's kind of born out of that. But however it happened, it's, it's pretty phenomenal, especially growing up in the West uh, with, you know, it's always been, the Middle East has always represented, even way before 9-11, terrorism or war or, you know, you know, uh, you know, just bad people, you know, they're just, you know, women haters or something. And, you know, why there's truth in all stereotypes, um, some degree of truth. They, mm. You know, they'll give you the fucking shirt off their back. You know, I go in Lebanon, being a market, and I, I go to buy fruit, and they wouldn't sell it to me because it wasn't enough. They'd rather I just eat the fruit because I just wanted one or two apples. Um, yeah. You know, people have no fucking money. And just as a, a general example, so in Yemen, um, you know, I remember forgetting a bag on a sidewalk and, and coming back like a couple hours later and, it, and it's still being there. Right? The shopkeeper brought it in and came out to get me. Um, you know, people following me, not because they were stalking me, but wanting to make sure that I wasn't lost and then directing me on my way. Mm. And so I get invited into people's homes. And because I, I love experience, um, unless it involves pegging me in the anus, um, I, I usually, Which only happens one out of three of those visits, you told and, me. Yeah, and it, and it is true. The I have found in general, many of the Middle Eastern countries have a huge proportion of people who are what we might call unreported gays. Um, you know, homosexuality is so frowned upon. Yet when you get to know guys there, you realize that a lot of dudes are banging each other. Um, yeah. Which in itself is is as fascinating as arriving in these countries and finding out, oh my God, they're, they're so kind and, and giving. Um, and, and frankly, if you were a gay dude, it's heaven. I mean, you're going to get a lot of ass. If you're a straight guy, you're, you're fucked. Um, anyway, they would, they would just do so, they would do so much in terms of, uh, you, you know, making me meals and, and asking me to, to stay the night or, or, or to spend time with them. And, and there was no angle to it. They, they were never looking for, oh, take me to America with you, or what can you give me? Or, because in other countries, that's what happens. To the people, like I saw this in different parts of Africa, and there's economic and historical reasons for it, but you know, people would be nice to you, but then they would want something. And it, yeah. it, it wasn't always a scam, like you had to pay them for their hospitality, but they wanted you to be their friend with hopes of taking you to America. So. You might have experienced yeah. this. I know you were in Kenya for a long time or, or, or Tanzania, you know, getting emails constantly from these people you met, checking in on you, but then eventually leading to like, there's some tragedy at home or somebody needs money for the hospital or, you know, ideally they'd like to come to their, your country. Um, 
and with the Yemenis, the Yemen or other countries in the in the peninsula there, never had that happen. Uh, mm. And it was it was really man, it was it just felt so goddamn good. It was really a, yeah. a nice thing. So you know the the stories are are, are multitude, but they always in, involve um, different people's homes. I, I would be in, and uh, they chew a lot of the leaf, the uh, narcotic leaf yeah. that they call cat. Yeah, um, but it's generally spelled Q-A-T or sometimes K-H-A-T. Uh, and so they just would, and it's a big problem, but and they would just chew it all day and they'd invite me in. And all men, by the way, women, you can't have any contact with women. Um, right. You sit there chewing the leaves, smoking cigarettes, uh, talking, which often was pidgin English. You know, so they might know a little bit English and you end up using uh, movies as references, you know. Rocky, oh yes, I love Rocky, love Rocky. Uh, you see Rambo, love Rambo, Rambo, and you start thinking of all the Sylvester Stallone movies, and uh, you know, so you're you're you find ways to converse about shit. Um, you, you know, it, it, it Schwarzenegger, you know, Commando, you know, Predator, you know, and then I, you know, you know, Kindergarten Cup, shit, Kindergarten Cup, shit movie. You know, and you start laughing about how Kindergarten Cop was not good. And then one guy, no, 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 I like Kindergarten Cop. Um, so, you know, you, you find a common ground to, to talk about. Um, <laughs> I, I actually keep, uh, I have uh, in my office here, otherwise known as uh, Studio A, I have some photos on the wall. And one of them is uh, from one of these houses in Yemen. And they, uh, I'm looking at it now. So they dressed me. Yemen is one of the few countries left in the world that still wears traditional clothing, or they did, um, as a matter of routine, not as a matter of ceremony. Um, so most of the men will be dressed in tunics of some sort, long flowing white tunics, um, or they, and they also wear a, a, type, a type of sarong, a really beautiful embroidered sarong. So they, they have me dressed in one of these like white tunics, and they wear these very decorative leather belts that are uh, very aged leather with a lot of stones and shit in them. And they have daggers. So all the men in Yemen wear daggers because they're historically uh, kind of warring in the sense that they have different tribes. So the idea was, and many gun advocates talk about this in the States, if everyone has a, a weapon on them, no one's going to hurt each other. And so they actually have, in general, very low violence rates until someone gets upset and they all stab each other. But if not, you know, it's generally very safe because all the men, even kids, I got pictures of like four-year-olds wearing daggers on yeah. themselves. And they're beautiful daggers. They're not like shitty little fucking hunting yeah. knives, you know. Um, so anyway, they, they have me dressed up and uh, we all have our daggers on and it's a father and son and I'm in the middle. And yeah. I, sh I should not behind me is a, is a portrait of Saddam Hussein. Um, it was like, <laughs> which I, I just thought was so funny. There was no irony to them. And uh, he's the only thing on the wall. So he, uh, Saddam Hussein, uh, a poster is behind me. <laughs> typical third world color quality, which is to say the colors are kind of running. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, uh, and, and, uh, so I'm in the middle, I got like, I got a cigarette in my mouth. And, they, and they, they're so genuinely happy. So the man, the, uh, the father that's with me, uh, he's got a nice, nice, nice mustache, kind of Tom Selleck-y. Um, uh -huh. looks a bit like a skinny Tom Selleck. He, uh, he allegedly, according to him, I don't know why he'd lie. He was like the head of like a Yemen, cause this was in the capital that I met them in Sanaa. He was the, the head of the, uh, the Yemen drug service. So something like a DEA. Um, and so he was trying to tell me these stories to his son as the interpreter of like, 
smugglers that they catch. Meanwhile, he's you know chewing this leaf like they're going to run out of it. Um, and it was just a great day. You know, they, 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 they served me lunch and dinner and had me come back the next day. I didn't want to sleep there. Um, and the women, I was never allowed to see them. They were always like hiding in the back. And like uh, one time I, I made a wrong turn in the hallway to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I went into the room with all the women. And it, 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 was, it was like I, uh, you know, just uncovered like <laughs> Santa Claus not being real. And the men like got out of their positions on the floor where they were all lying down to like, you know, rip, pull me out of there. Um, <laughs> so the, the only way I can meet women in, in, in many of these countries was, um, it's how I got into ESL, was to show up at the school. Uh, it's a, by the way, it's a good, good method if you're a pervert out there, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's good to know that most ESL teachers are perverts. <laughs> Along with Boy Scout masters, I, I think they, they rank up there. So this is, I'm just sharing this as free information, but I would uh, go to a, uh, an English school and I'd say, hey, I'd like to, uh, like to teach your students. And because you're a fluent English speaker, they don't ask you for shit. They don't ask you for any experience, any kind of qualification, anything. Go, oh, yeah, sure. you're already better than everything that they have there. Yeah. Just by walking in. So I'd go in and be like a guest teacher for the day. Um, and it'd be great. And I got to talk to all these women and in a, in a non-sensual way, because to be honest, nothing, as we're learning in a masked society in America, nothing very sexy about a, a woman who's covered up to her eyeballs. But you got to meet a lot of very intelligent women and women who were open to speaking they would talk about the problems they had. And, and it was really interesting when they would be like, oh no, well, the, the guys make us do this or the guys say this. And then the guys would get defensive and call them out and say, it's bullshit. And the women would fight back um, because there were students. They were all probably anywhere from like 19 to 25 years old. Um, and it was great to see this back and forth. And then also find women who were okay with the system, who thought that the way the separation of the sexes there was the way it should be. And that, you know, men can't be trusted and, you know, men need to have their own space and be away from us uh, and very much in support of the thing that many Westerners don't like. Um, mm -hmm. And so hearing that firsthand was pretty wild, right? Because many people in our countries are immediately we go to the burqa thing and we're like, that's bullshit. That's repression. Or we go the opposite if we're like, you know, super progressive and want to defend the people and say, oh, no, you know. Let's trust them. And, and the truth was murkier, right? Like the truth always is. Because mm -hmm. every time I went to a classroom in, in Oman or Lebanon or, or, or Yemen or, or Egypt or one of these countries, um, it was always the same, right? You found people who thought this way the system was was okay and people who were like, it's total bullshit and we got to blow it up. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. That's what I got to say about that. <laughs> wow it's uh, it's so cool that you were there and and uh how do i get into this fetishized uh want to be kidnapped community you know you'll 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 have to go to uh i think it's uh air kidnap or air air, air kidnap or something oh, I, I don't fuck air kidnap and kidnap <laughs> you know this was still like uh you know i think people were, were still using myspace and shit i, I don't think things were as prolific on the internet. My guess is, um, and in a poor country, due to being a proxy war with Saudi Arabia, has been just fucking devastated. So I, I don't know if the, uh, the luxury kidnappings are still happening. Yeah. 
<laughs> are you, um, by the way, are there any like meals or dishes that you miss from your travels or do you feel like you're kind of covered in uh, Chicago and you can get everything there? Yeah, luckily living in a big city like Chicago, we, you know, there's, there's a few Yemenis places that I've gone to and it's nice. They, they make these like hot clay pot stews um, and they, you know, they got the big pita. Um, yeah. It's really nice to sit around and dip that. Um, so yeah, when I crave that shit, I go, I look for it. Um, but yeah, food is, food is the easiest entry into another culture um, because anus and vagina, a little bit harder to access. <laughs> Those, I wonder what culture is the opposite, where that's super easy to access and then the food is really hard. <laughs> well, if you're a heavy set white woman, Gambia. Yep. <laughs> that's right. That's the opposite. For that, right. for that clientele, there's a yeah. guaranteed promise of the uh, Alabama long snake. <laughs> you are. Is uh, it? Yeah. Yeah. Stella will get her groove back on every time uh, in, in, in Gambia. Mm, what other place? Now, I, I think that's a great response. Like, uh, that's absolutely true. Because uh, no, the Gambian food is not very known as, as being that great. So, yeah, that's definitely uh, one place. Yeah, and they seem, to, they seem to struggle with tourism outside of... Uh, of the Western white woman who's a little bit uh, larger than uh, average. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one example. I'm sure yeah. our listeners can, uh, can find more. And uh, by the way, I have another question for you, uh, which is about, uh, so you, you, you had, I mean, this show is a little bit about COVID and you had a COVID situation this week. You, you did a, you, you took your wife to take a test uh, how was that experience? I am not allowed to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was uh, I was sworn to secrecy. I was also told that I, I talk too loud. I talk too loud when I do this show. I, I, apparently, last week we we had some discussion involving uh, getting laid, and uh, I uh, w was told that that was totally inappropriate, and I can be heard. I can be heard down the hallway. And I couldn't remember what I was talking about. And then when it hit me, I said, well, actually, you didn't hear the whole story because it was about how I could not get laid. And uh, <laughs> that only made the domestic squabble worse. So <laughs> I, think I'm, I, I think I'm allowed to talk about the COVID experience now. I think that the no-talking quarantine has expired. Uh, it was fascinating, you know, because COVID is sort of like... I don't know, like reality TV kind of thing. Like, you know, you hear about, you see it everywhere, but you don't actually know someone on reality TV, even though you know it's very possible um, that you could end up on reality TV in some form or fashion or on a viral, yeah. video, a viral video. Yeah. So COVID is all around us and we keep hearing about it, but still many people I know have no personal experience with it. And so my wife was feeling a little sick your typical very, very low grade fever, just not feeling great, kind of malaise. And of course, today, if that happens to you, for many people, understandably, it's immediately COVID. It's none of the mm -hmm. other hundreds of, uh, you know, illnesses that are around us that you could have. Um, it's COVID. Um, and so as soon as it's COVID, you're automatic scarlet letter, you know, so a couple of neighbors found out and they immediately were 
texting, oh, you know, what, what's happening? And of course, they're just fishing because they want to make sure we're not going outside and going to infect them. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we actually just fired our, uh, our babysitter because she claimed she had it uh, because she was throwing up for a couple of days and had some GI thing, which is like the least common, you know, symptom. And so she got the world's slowest COVID test. It was going to be 10 days. And so she wasn't going to come to work for 10 days. And I was like, you know what, this woman has lied to us before, you know, to not come to 10 days when your signs have nothing to do with like the most common COVID is crazy. Mm. So here I was again with my own wife saying it, and it was a little more legit only because I guess any kind of light sickness could be it. So she was able to, from her doctor, get a 24 hour turnaround time uh, for a test. Mm -hmm. So we go and uh, she was going to go by herself uh, because I, to be fair, I wasn't being a very good husband and I didn't believe that she had it. And I was like, and she looked genuinely sad. And I guess it weighed on me like, man, going through a drive-through on your own to get someone jam a thing up your nose, probably not the most uh, welcoming experience of the day. So I, 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 I drove right next to the hospital where our kids were born. So I kind of had flashbacks going down the road of oh wow, right before the, uh, Baby came out and changed everything. And so in this, in this line, uh, you, you know, you're just, you're, it's very American, right? Because we're used to drive through So you're just sitting in this line, uh, waiting and waiting and waiting. And there's people checking your car and telling you to move to that corner and that station and go for it. And then the person comes up that's, uh, that's going to swab her in the nose. And I think I sent you this photograph, right? Yes. So this was, uh, you know, like many Americans, uh, larger, somewhat large, somewhat we'll call ga ga a good Gambian tourism uh, profile. I, I, I think this girl would definitely be on a junket to Gambia. And uh, she's the one who's, you know, jamming that swab up your, your nose into your brain. And on her arm, which again was not small, the entire piece of flesh over the bicep uh, had a, a uh, some kind of character, some, some figure that I couldn't make out because she was far. And as she got closer to the car, you realized it wasn't just an abstract drawing. It was Freddy fucking Krueger. Right. For those people not familiar, he is a person from the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series who basically uh, appears in your dreams to kill you. Um, and so you're thinking most people getting this test are probably not enjoying it. They're probably scared shitless that they could get the worst of the worst. And here this person is testing them with Freddy Krueger on her arm. And I was so fascinated by the Freddy Krueger thing. I just kept taking pictures of it <laughs> as, she, as she went around car to car. My, my wife forbade me from asking her uh, you know, questions about why Freddy. Um, yeah, so you, so you, you go through and then I, and then I'm like, well, fuck it. If we're here, I might as well get tested. I might as well get tested too. Cause if she has it, maybe I have it, but only in America, they wouldn't test me because I needed to have my doctor like given, uh, given order for it and all this other bullshit. So I didn't get tested, which I don't know if it was a good thing or bad thing. It did not look comfortable. Um, it looks incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah, it was. Yeah. She, uh, she, she teared up. Um, but the, the weird part was 
she was she was all done and there was a um a 30 something girl who might not have been gambian material you know average looking girl in a car next to us uh was by herself and my wife says to her um oh are you are you okay you know because it, it, it kind of makes you tear up because where it hits you and so my wife's eyes are kind of watery and this woman's eyes look kind of watery and she's like oh are you are you okay uh she's like yeah. and and, my, and she goes to her my wife says to her it must be so hard coming here by yourself and i thought shit that sounds kind of harsh like it's almost like it sounds like backdoor bragging like hey I got a partner to take me and you're a, you're a loser. You're like a spinster sitting by yourself. You got no one to comfort you through the COVID pain. I don't know. I, I, I thought that was a very interesting uh, dynamic because a guy would never say that to a dude, right? right? You would never say to a guy, oh man, it must be hard to come and take this COVID test all alone. No, that, was, that would be the last thing you would say. A guy, a guy would be say something stupid like, oh man, it's like eating hot sauce, having that done. <laughs> That's like super hot sauce. Yeah, so so you go through, you get they 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 swab you, they 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 take it off. The whole thing maybe took waiting in line and getting it done 30, 40 minutes. So I guess it wasn't that bad after horror stories I've heard. But then now you're on like serious quarantine. So you know she had to keep her mask on all the time. Like she went in the bedroom. Like we weren't supposed to go in the bedroom with her. Um, and so now you're just waiting for a fucking result. And I think that's pretty nerve wracking. Yeah. Because now you're doing all these contingency plans of what happens if it turns out positive. Um, well, lo and behold, the day later, the test came back negative, and guess what? All the symptoms of the sickness went away. Wow, that's so interesting. I, I, I don't know what it's called, but it's you know it's the whole like when you set up a, a doctor's appointment for some ailment, and on the day it doesn't hurt anymore, it doesn't bother you anymore. It's just like. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence. I think there's something there, some mental change that happens. I think it's a, I think it's a version of the placebo effect. Yeah, yeah. Which makes me think, you know, we're running out of time here, but we, 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 are, we are a show that is in the time of COVID and tries to bring up COVID. We know from testing on all medicine that the placebo effect works, but only for X amount of people. Yeah why don't doctors just start treating people with the placebo? Because they're guaranteed to cure at least like 20%. Of, uh, you mean of COVID? Yeah, if you've got, if you've got a patient not doing yeah. well, not, not responding to treatment, you just say, fuck it, right? Yeah. Fuck it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell them that, you know, it's a, it's a snake oil trick, basically. Yeah. But it works on the placebo effect, which, we, again, we know does have some success rate in anything in life because it's what you're getting at. It's mental, um, yeah. the power of positive thinking. So if you're the doctor and you tell someone, I've got this medicine that's experimental, that comes from Q, nobody else has this. And uh, the success rate has been very high in mice. Three humans <laughs> have taken it and it's worked on two of them. So it's got a good <laughs> success rate. We're gonna allow you to have this medicine, but it's very powerful and it could get rid of COVID right away. I mean, come on, man. If, if, if the person yeah. has nothing fucking left, if the best treatment we have didn't work, why not go for the placebo? Yeah. I'm very excited about this idea. I think I'm going to start I, calling, calling my doctor friends right now. 
yeah, I think you need to call them right now and uh, get them on the show but right you, now. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't publish it because as soon as you publish it, yeah, it's you're going to start losing people because they're going to know that you're fucking with them. Yeah, I mean, it does make me think that you know the, you know, I wonder what happens in the interactions in the hospital because because that's uh, I think didn't this didn't uh, Doctor Mike say this like the, just the fact that you you touch your patients automatically like makes them feel better in a way. He did say that, but what's weird is he's now in jail. Oh, and okay. so now well, I, now I think he meant something else when he said he, you touch your patient, they feel better. Yeah. Well, um, that's true for most people who are guests on the show. They, they end up in prison. Yeah. And I, I think maybe he didn't realize that, um inserting fingers into the vaginal opening uh is not okay when your patient's asleep um, i think he <laughs> thought he was genuinely making them feel better yeah i think uh it's 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 an understandable thought no I, I, uh, come on let's 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 cut the bullshit you're right touch makes people feel better there, do you know about the cuddlers i mean we have a huge boom although i think COVID has really put a damper on their business they're probably getting government funding right now but uh until COVID, I mean, the, the cuddle, the cuddle community was, was booming, you know, and, and I, of course, my mind, like many guys kept going to, oh, no, 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 they're, these guys are looking for a, for a quick way to get off. And yeah. I, I read enough on it that it sounds like, no, like people genuinely just like being touched. Um, yeah. So let's leave the show with that. Let's leave the show yeah. with that everybody touch out. yourself a few times a day. Yeah. Touch other people. For our new listeners in Eritrea, for, <laughs> for those still around uh, the Arabian Peninsula, for the couple in Borneo, the Azerbaijani, and you other randoms. Mm. We're the touch. podcast that, that talks directly to you. Um, yeah, touch away. Touch. Touch someone. Touch anybody. They're, cry They're all crying now because the reason they listen to our show is that they have no one to touch. And it's, you know, <laughs> it, 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 no. <laughs> the only reason somebody would listen to this, you have, you have no one. You're like, you're like that girl, the COVID drive through You've got nobody. It just must be so hard going through the COVID drive through with nobody by your side. Um, yeah. Now keep in mind, we're not responsible for anything that might happen as a result of you touching somebody else. Um, that is our disclaimer. But in times of COVID, touching has really, really taken a plunge. Uh, <laughs> you know, touching is at an all-time low. And scientists, sociologists, nobody can figure out what to do. So we're imploring you, just touch. Yeah. All right. Great way. Great way to end the show. Until next time, universe. <laughs> Thank you.